Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. Chris here. I'm Don. Welcome back to another episode where we actually don't talk about Pokemon for once. That's uh, we, got, we got three in a row and now we're breaking the trend. We're breaking the mole. We're doing something wild that can't stop us. And we will obviously be talking more about Pokemon later on in life. But <clears throat> today we are going to start splitting off into different games. Because there's more games out there than Pokemon. And they and, all have something to offer for us. Yeah. And I, I will admit that this next, this game we're talking about, if you've read the title, you probably already know it. But it, it's it's got some similarities to Pokemon. There are monsters that you can catch. I think they're a little bit more aggressive than than Pokemon monsters, though. I mean, Paris? Paris is pretty hard. Paris is pretty mean. I, oh, God. Oh, I'm getting Legends of Arceus flashbacks. I don't want to. You can't make me go back. That place is wild. Today we're going to be talking, or I'll hopefully teach you guys a little bit about Monster Hunter. Now, have either of you played Monster Hunter before? I played it a little bit um, in college, but not a whole lot. I lo- then loaned it to a guy on my floor, and then he almost failed out of college because he played it a whole lot. Okay. No, I didn't. have not played it or ever seen anybody play it. That is surprising. So today, I kind of want to walk you guys and, like, everyone else listening through this game because at one point, I had more hours in this game clocked in than any Pokemon game I've ever played. Like How this many is, hours? Um, I had well over 500 hours plugged into this thing, and I was still considered a noob by my friends. That's, that's, like, a, that's like me in Apex Legends. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm still, like, I'm okay comparatively to other hunters, but... We're going to talk about all of that, but we got to let's put some reality first. Let's get some news in there. Uh, do y'all have like a favorite, like, but like well known bug, like not some obscure thing in the rainforest of Borneo? Like, is there a bug that you just like? I, I like this bug. This I, I don't bug. know if favorite's a strong word, but like praying mantises are cool. Cool. Technically not a bug. What's the definition of bug? It's like incomplete metamorphosis, um, and I believe sucking mouth parts are another part of it, too. It's like an assassin bug. Um, obviously the name would have, would be a bug. So it, it can't be something that pupates either. Okay. So let me change the question. Insect. Favorite insect. Praying mantises are cool. There we go. That's one. They are very cool. And cause I was going to maybe say that all instead, um, as Katie did or moths. I like them both. I have a fondness for cicadas. I don't know. I guess They're the fun. time, they I scream. mean, the time, <laughs> the time spent in Japan grubbed off on me. Well, there was this paper the, that billion that you grew up with in florida didn't the ones in okay the ones in japan are different are they because, more polite no they're they're all summer are they're they also sound, loud they're they are the loudest oh that's fun yeah there's, there's no like cycle of like 29 years like the ones up north it's literally just hey in yeah. the summertime screaming there's a reason every anime ever made in the summer has cicadas in it because that's yeah. how the japanese people relate to it you yeah. can do no, so, yeah, because I mean, there, yeah, there's quite a few. So there's are a full, full annual because there's a few kinds I know in the U.S. Like there's the periodicals, but there's also like a, a much more consistent one. It's but if such, theirs are like every year. That's yeah. It's such to an extent that you could literally put like any scene you wanted in like any Japanese anything and play the cicadas, and people will know it's summer. I've even seen I've even seen memes memes about that, and you yeah, know the only anime cool. I watch. <laughs> Zoids. Zoids. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, why are you asking about our favorite insects? Well, because they might not be around for long. Uh, there was a um, a German paper and a German group that was researching something in Leipzig that found that more than three quarters of the world's well-studied insects aren't living with enough protection. Like they're not being well watched after. Now you will get, of course, things like bees. There's a huge drive to protect the bees, both native and honey. But with other insects like people have found in the research that no one really thinks much about insects or bugs or any of that whenever you think of an endangered species you're more likely to think of a tiger or an elephant than you are to think of a beetle but uh the scientists have like studied the ranges and estimated that millions of these species are not getting enough protection in order to survive climate change habitat destruction all of that stuff it's it's a interesting topic i just wanted to bring it up in part because one in Monster Hunter, you have tons of creatures all trying to kill you, but you also have kind of an ecosystem going there. And in a weird way, you're protecting it in some ways by killing stuff. Again, it's a whole thing. But the other reason I wanted to bring it up is because, you know, insects are kind of necessary. We need them. And again, if 
if one podcast comes out and says, hey, care more about bugs, I don't know if how much of an effect that'll have, but I feel like that's kind of our place here. Like, hey, you know, keep an eye on the bugs in your own locale area. I'm going to try and help them out. I think it is a really important topic to bring up that no one cares about the insects or the bugs. I mean, that's it. That's why I, I care them. about them. Yeah, no. Again, they, they pollinate 80% of all the plant species on Earth and serve as like a staple diet for hundreds of thousands of animals that other people do think about. And also carnivorous plants, which I'm, again, in South Carolina, huge fan of carnivorous plants. Big yeah, fan. Yeah, you guys are the, like the stronghold of the Venus flytrap. Yeah, North Carolina has them now. South Carolina sadly lost them, most of them, if not all of them, due to like the plant pet trade, I believe, and just climate Wait, change. Who North Carolina didn't lose them. No, North Carolina has them. Oh, South yeah. Carolina does not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, I was going to say, don't, don't, don't you take off. I was like, you guys were about to get very heated. <laughs> no, 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 no. Carolina no, no. He battle. Gets, he, I don't, no, please, no, no. Don't say the words Carolina and battle together. You'll get the neighbors riled up. <laughs> it's all they think about in this town. If anyone visits Charleston, they really just care about like, y'all know which wars were fought here? I don't care. Give me the barbecue and the grits and oh, the shrimp and grits. Just give me shrimp and grits and barbecue, and we'll be square. Now, Chris, you brought up something right when we were about to record, and I didn't think it was video game news. Something about James yeah. Gunn. What does James Gunn have to do with video games? So, we. I guess this is getting posted maybe a month or so ish after we record it. But uh, James Gunn did a little, or James Gunn and Peter Safran did a little like. We'll call it a, a DC Direct, um, where they talked about the upcoming slate for the DC universe. And memes aside for the whole Elseworlds stuff that they're pitching, one of the things that they talked about is continuity. So if you are familiar with like the MCU and everything that it's doing, you know that they are really pushing hard on continuity between the... Um, movies and tv shows like you watch because one, they make you buy more because then you have to watch more yeah so one of the things that uh gun intimated uh on this is that he liked the idea of using the actors for multiple projects outside of just the movies and the thinking is that like so let's take amanda waller for example uh, played by Viola Davis, the thinking based on what he said is that Waller would voice, I mean, Davis would voice Waller in not only like animated shows, but also video games. So like we have the, what's that? Uh, Kill the Justice League, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League that's coming out. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so like theoretically in that, in the future, Viola Davis could play uh waller or would play waller in that and basically build this like non-stop continuity train uh yeah. so that you are then plugged into virtually everything in order to keep up with the continuity of the series it I is hate it. it is bold if they pull it, it off they pull off something that even marvel couldn't really do which is why uh, I, hate or it. I guess marvel hasn't tried to do games yet but continuing uh, to hate it <laughs> i think it's it, it could be pretty cool. Listen, I am a huge fan of what James Gunn is doing to the DC. Like, you know, like I am a hater of Snyder's writing. Now, can that man direct a beautiful shot of anyone with abs? Absolutely. If you want, it's going to go slow mo and then fast mo and then slow mo again. Yeah, no, but he can make it. He can make a still picture look good. He is a terrible person to get job. Whoever hired, whoever hired him should be dragged into the streets and flogged. He was never the right choice for Superman writing ever. When it comes to connecting all of this stuff together, I think James Gunn has the chop for it. But mixing video games into the mix is a bad idea because video games are hard. <laughs> I don't know if it's a – we don't know. I don't, I'm not prepared to say it's a bad idea yet. I think it's a cool, interesting idea. We'll see how it shapes out. Uh Again, with the video game stuff, they do not have the public trust enough to try going this ambitious again. Like, everyone has literally been like, DC is questionable at best. No one ever says the DC movies are inherently great. People just cherry-pick the ones they kind of like. Because Shazam was pretty fun. Like, if anyone's not watched, like, the first Shazam, it's great. It's so much fun. And Aquaman is a cheesy 
weird time. Yeah, I enjoyed both of those. Yeah, I liked I the first Wonder Woman a lot. Thought that was good. Yeah, yeah, I thought the first Wonder Woman was great until the third act it kind of fell apart for me. But her like walking through no man's land, that was dope. You're yeah. just excited because James Gunn's going to give you a Booster Gold movie. Booster Gold is a king, and you will respect his name. <laughs> I love he's Booster amazing. Gold. He's amazing. He's such a great character. I'm, I'm more excited about, like, okay, no, now that you're mentioning video game stuff, they're doing the Batman with, like, a Damian Wayne Robin, which is a cool, no yeah, one's Bra- done that Brave, movie. Brave and the Bold. Yeah, Brave and the Bold. I'm afraid they're going to try and turn that into a video game. Yeah, we're both we're all from that generation where every movie came with a video game tie-in, right? Y'all remember? Oh those yeah, games. I played yeah. the James Cameron Avatar game, all the original Iron Man game, Transformers like, video game, Thor, God of Thunder. Like I played all those. Oh, I yeah. didn't get. You know, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers on a GameCube was the game. That was a good one. That was like a legitimately very good video tie-in game. I think that's why I'm so heated. It's like going back to like for any of our younger listeners, there was a time where any movie you came out, yeah, it had a video game about it well, and it was terrible. It's different though, Lucas, because it's not a tie-in game. It's its own entity. Like it's yeah. not it's not a game for the movie. It's it's the idea is that it would be its own thing. But my fear is that they're going to try and connect the video game with a movie and then it becomes a point of like, well, how does someone who's like in their like 40s or 50s is not into video game truly connect with this wikipedia that's what i do i mean yeah but that's reading and we hate to read just read up on everything or just win the lottery and then only play video games ah the dream i will say um this i have one other thing i wanted to talk about really quickly because it just popped into my head and i just found the article about it so you know like nintendo world is like a thing now in orlando florida oh yeah Wait, I thought yeah. it was in California. Is it Orlando? I think it's Orlando. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Orlando. Okay. And it's, I went to the one in Japan. It's, it's beautiful. It's great. If you get a chance, go. They recently just posted all about like their new ride schematics. You Apparently, to ride the Mario Kart ride, your waistline has to be a 40 or below men's waistline. Oh. And that's about a women's 20. All right. Which is like, like in the United States of America, in Orlando, Universal Studios. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Let's see if there's some stats on this. The average, oh, the average American woman's waist is 38 inches. Yeah, but the again, aver- it's average waist size. size for a man is 40.2. Oh, well, yeah. uh, there's your problem. Yeah. Is it this meant is for it, children? It's meant for Japanese audience members, but then they imported it to America without like putting the specs involved. I guess it costs too much. Again, I rode the ride in Japan and it's sick. Best theme park ride I've ever ridden. But it is something to note of like, oh, snap, you're in the United States. People are not only bigger by fat but density, but also height and muscle mass, too. So, sorry. I'm just imagining a really jacked dude, like, staring down this teenager who's on the center of like, what do you mean I cannot ride the Mario Kart ride? <laughs> the man's Waluigi hat, like, topped on his head barely because it can't fit. Like, I'm here to ride with my boys. Just two uh, not- muscular kids next to him. Not that he would ever be rude like that, but I'm just imagining Dave Batista. Oh, God. Like, ma'am, I just came here after rescuing pit bulls. I need a break. What do you mean I cannot ride the ride? I, I feel like Dave Batista is a pretty nice dude. He, when someone I, I've, tried. I've to, actually met him. He's very nice. He I, lives I, in Tampa. Like, he lives I, there. He's cool. I, I did a shoot with him back in like 2014. Oh, that's really that's cool. Rad. That's rad. Well, I'm, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I just think it's like United States definitely has a weight problem, but like it's also one of those things of like you probably should have realized that when you were building it to maybe make it up to a forty-two. I mean, these are it's a pretty popular ride. It's gonna I be like a shorts. popular ride. They're cool. Yeah, <laughs> they're fun. All right, we'll talk about Monster Hunter now. Uh, if anyone here is listening has never heard of Monster Hunter, a, a quick history lesson: it's about monsters and you hunt them. I mean, you can put it like that way, and it, you'd be technically correct. The game is the simple, best kind of correct. <laughs> it is pretty correct, but hear me out. The game started in 2004 on the PS2, and has since become Capcom's strongest franchise to date. Like That's it is pretty impressive because Capcom does have some heavy hitters. They have Mega Man, and like back in the 90s, that was awesome. But like since monster hunter world came out became like one of their best-selling games ever monster hunter is one of their strongest franchise if not their strongest I mean, franchise currently they've got what, what else they've got De- uh dead rising mm-hmm. um street fighter yep um uh, resident evil mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, there's got to be now. Devil May Cry. They've got a lot of heavy hitters, and to say this is like their best one is that's saying a lot. Yeah, this is honestly like you can pull it up. It is Monster Hunter. No, no hang on, I, wait, I, no. I believe you uh, on that. Uh, uh, nope, nope. You're right. Monster Hunter's number two. Resident Evil's number one. My apologies. Uh, well, especially now, Resident Evil probably that's probably including like the shows and stuff now that they have. Yeah, that would also include it. Oh, also Ace Attorney, which I forgot existed, and you said Street Fighter, right? Yeah, Street Fighter. Yeah, and Marvel oh, versus Attorney Capcom. Still... Ace Attorney is so good. Oh, I got it. We got to find a lawyer to join us on the show to talk about Ace Attorney. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, for and, they and, made Dino Crisis. That's the game. <laughs> <laughs> the episode is now okay. Lucas is wrong. Let's go through Capcom games instead. <laughs> But it, it legitimately is one of their best games. It's one of their strongest games today. It's one of those few games where in Japan it got so popular. Japanese workers were taking off so much time that companies decided, you know what? We're giving everyone the day off this Friday. Go play your game. I need to start coordinating with my coworkers. It, it very much. It's one of those games. When you live in a homogenous society, everyone kind of likes some of the same stuff. So a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm out of here. Um, if you've never played the game, the concept, as we've just been stating over and over, is pretty easy. The loop is you go on a mission from your home base. You do the mission, which is usually hunting or capturing a monster. You collect the parts after the hunt. You fashion weapons and armor out of it. And then you find a new mission and repeat the process. That's the whole game. Don't let anyone tell you different. Yes, there's a story mode. It barely matters. I'm going to call it out right now. Now... One of the things that's really important in the game is the weapon. There are over 14 different weapon types. And what makes the game series so amazing is that each one of those weapon types plays completely different. Like, it's not like Call of Duty or like uh, Battlefield where like this automatic machine gun shoots very similar to this automatic machine gun but with a higher rate of fire. It's like uh, the one of the most, my friend's favorite weapon is the Greatsword. The Great Sword is whenever you see a picture of like Monster Hunter, like go ahead and Google Monster Hunter Great Sword and you'll see what I mean. These things are massive. My friend once described them to me as a car door on a handle. It, that, it, it, that's, that sounds like an impractical sword. It is a I, very I, I have seen them, I remember. I like it. Yeah. I'm a fan. It's, it's huge. It's just Big a sword. massive carving knife of death. But it also functions as a shield. It can do tons of damage. It's an entirely like brute force weapon. I lean towards the dual blades. The dual blades are just what they sound. They're two swords, and you can spin around like a blender, hopped up on demon juice and different narcotics in order to survive. Like, it's just pumping up lots of damage, high DPS. You have things like the lance, which are just poking stuff, but you poke stuff real good behind a big shield. You have the gun lance. I use the gun lance. Yeah, it's basically a spear with a gun inside, so when you poke stuff, it explodes. I like that that's what Don remembers from his one-time play. I remember the gun lance. (laughs) My other weapon of choice was the heavy bow gun, which is literally just a machine gun with lots of, like, different ammo types. So it's really useful for things like laying down support fire, dropping artillery bombs. Like, at one point, there's an upgrade you get that's basically just a machine gun. Like, if you've ever seen, like, an A-10 Warhog go burr, it's pretty much that. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite weapons. Um, once you do have a weapon, uh, you go to an area, you hunt the monster. Uh, you do have about 45 minutes in each area. And in that 45 minutes, you have to track it, weaken it, not die more than three times, and uh, kill it or capture it. Some people try and do the entire thing while capturing as many as they can, because in some of the games, capturing gets you more stuff. But it is a lot harder because you have to bring traps. You have to bring tranquilizers. It's a whole mess of things to hunt these things down. In the newest game, Rise, they tell you where it is on the map. In other games like uh, Monster Hunter World, they had fireflies following you around. Like the, you would let the fireflies go and they would actually track the monster by floating around different piles of their spit or footprints. Like individually. Oh, I like marking. that. That's a fun little mechanic. Yeah. So you're actively having to track it. And I feel really bad because they kind of got rid of it in the newer games. And I feel like, no, that was this was really cool because it lights up different colors depending on like, oh, wait, it's blue. That means this is an elder dragon. This is a much bigger, more terrifying monster. Now, a lot of the time when you're fighting, you think like 45 minutes is a lot to hunt one thing. Like if you're think from a Pokemon standpoint, like that's OK, like two minutes and I'm done with the fight. With these guys, 45 minutes, sometimes you barely have enough time because these monsters do not go down easy. There is a high skill rate for this game where if you're fighting properly, you can probably take it down 
in 30 to 35 minutes if you're about that equal ranking and not over leveling and beating it up. And the monsters, well, there's some of them are really easy. They're like the great Jagoras, like it looks like a giant iguana. Like if you could look up like J great Jagoras, like J A J A G R A S, it's a giant iguana. He looks super chill. Don't let he's, him fall out, fall out of a tree on you. He swallows things like a whale. Like he swallows the whole like food carcass whole and he gets fat and that's how he does damage. But then you have things like Diablos, which it sounds it's spelled like it sounds Diablos. It's literally like a dragon with like a triceratops head that digs around and tries killing you. You have things like Gormagala, which is just canonically evil. Like all the other monsters are just like animals, but this is like, no, this thing is evil and it spreads sickness and disease wherever it goes. Go ahead and kill it for us. God, what There's a jerk. Yeah, you know, it's it's a pretty mean creature. The reason this game has gotten so popular over the years is because, well, one, Monster Hunter World did a really good job of introducing new fans into it by changing it from, like, Monster Hunter 5 to, like, World, so people felt, you know, less freaked out. It's easier to jump into a game without a number, if that makes sense. Yeah. The loop, though, could keep you going. Again, I'm the casual, and I put in 500 hours. I... I try. I played with my friends. We went on hunts together. We got different missions and bosses, and it was a lot of fun back in the day. I loved, loved those memories of playing with my friends, and even playing on my own was a lot of fun because there's the satisfaction of spending thirty to forty-five minutes hunting this thing down and winning, like, in, like you actually feel like you earned your kill. And again, these things don't go down easy. If you go down three times, every time you go down you lose money for the quest that would have gotten it. And if you go down three times, they just kick you out because you can't fight anymore. Because you, you suck. Because you suck. Yeah, that's what they'll tell you. There's no PvP. Like, you work together because it's PvE all the way. Your friends can help you in a fight, or they can carry you, or they could leave you behind. Teamwork is super important in these games because remember when I said that whole three lives thing? Mm -hmm. When you're in a team, that's three lives for everybody. So oh, like if okay so yeah. if I suck and just take all of our lives then you suck and you took all of our lives and wasted our time get out I'm sorry don't, that's don't, okay that's don't, what it is with me. <laughs> now at the same time because people are so terrifyingly good at this game you will get the people who their fun in the game is like hi I'm ridiculously over leveled I'm going to go down to the noob levels and help them fight so like there was an entire trend of um people would use like a flare to fire up in the sky when they're having trouble with the fight. And the YouTube videos would be like three Japanese names just show up, kill the monster in less than two minutes and leave. Awesome. <laughs> and they would just disappear. You would never know who they were. They would never friend you. They would just like disappear. That was how they got their kicks was like, I'm going to save you weak citizen. It's, it's, it's like that. Great. It's like that guy in uh, Elden Ring, Don, the one who showed up to solo the boss with like a bucket on his. Oh, the let me solo her guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that dude got a real sword from the company. Those people are great. <laughs> on the note of Dark Souls, um, this game gets compared to Dark Souls. Like, oh, it's the dark. It's like Pokemon and Dark Souls. Like, no, this game was older than Dark Souls. Be quiet. Leave it alone. Like, how, when I, was I, the first Monster Hunter? How? How? Two thousand four. Oh, uh, do you know about Kingsfield? Kingsfield? Oh, come on. No, come on. No, it's its own thing. Don't compare it to any of them. Stop. Stop. It's awful. 1994? Shut up. From software? Shut your mouth. I, I will also say from like a gamer perspective, the DLC, they do a really good job of making it almost entirely free. The only times they'll charge you money are going to be for things like excessive cosmetics or expansions. And when I say expansions, like you pay $40 and you basically get a completely other game to go with it. Like they do a really good job at making sure you actually feel like you earned it. And all the free DLC a lot of time is, hey, here's a bonus mission to go get a skin to make your pet cat look like Mega Man. Or, hey, you know this obscure fighting anime? Well, we're going to give you this DLC. Hunt this monster and you'll turn your dual blades into fists so it looks like you're punching the monsters instead of slicing them. Like my... They had one with the Witcher. Like, literally, they would have the witch. They would give you a skin that made you look like the Witcher. They would give you a sword and shield where basically the shield was magic instead of an actual shield. And they let you fight a Wendigo in the game. Like, they programmed an actual, not reskinned. Like, they put an actual Wendigo in the game so you could beat up. It's awesome. They did That's such a sick. good job. That's pretty sick. Yeah. They have some of the best 
practice is when it comes to DLC, and I feel like other companies should look at them. The reason I'm bringing up this game entirely, I'm not trying to get anyone to like join in and jump in because it, it is a lot of fun, but I'm not the expert. I'm not the one who's telling you the tactics. I'm the biologist. I'm the guy looking at this game, and to be honest, I, I love all the work they put into it because that's what the rest of this podcast is going to be, telling you all the work they put into making this game environmentally cool. So the newest game is Monster Hunter Rise. That's the one that came out, and it's very much focused on Japanese culture. Uh, the uh, the concept of that one is pretty much you're in a village. Village gets attacked by a really mean monster. Go out and hunt smaller monsters until you hunt a meaner monster. Find a meaner monster, then a meaner, meaner monster. And it goes on for a while. But Monster Hunter World was the one that stole the show because it was the one that got an international household name in gaming for a while. Monster Hunter World did such a good job of introducing new people in that it's the game that inspired me to kind of do this talk. Monster Hunter Rise is fun. For those of you who don't think it's fun, listen, Monster Hunter used to be real jank. They used to make you try and fight underwater in Monster Hunter 3. That was I play, I, That's the one I played. Yeah, no, I, I'm never playing underwater again. I thought that was again. fun. I hated fighting underwater. Maybe I don't so remember bad. it right. <laughs> if you... um. If you do start up Monster Hunter World, the first place you are literally dropped off is a place called the Ancient Forest. And the reason I love talking about it is because uh, when you're building a game, when you're building an environment, in game, movie, anything, you have to make sure your environment feels lived in. You have to make sure that your environment feels like an environment. It, otherwise, it just, just doesn't click. This game took their time and built an actual ancient forest. When you're walking around, you're seeing the different levels of the flora and fauna. When you're going through like the first forest floor, you're finding insects and mushrooms and monsters built for walking and more than climbing. Um, at one point, you come across a T-Rex, which breeds fire, just wandering around there, but it's down on the level where it's supposed to be. It's not climbing the trees as much as it's just like sitting up. It's just walking around and hunting down in that lower level. Uh, if you go under the roots, you find different weird, like, plant-like things growing. You find glowing things under there. You find things that have actually adapted to this ecosystem. And that's what people don't seem to understand about being in an ecosystem, is that it's not just tree, bear, honey. That's it. No, there's so many different things that coordinate and work with that system. The higher you go in that forest the cooler stuff you find. Because if you go up into the tree, you're going through the understory and the canopy. You're fighting giant electric rattlesnake squirrels. You're fighting actual dragons. Uh, the two most famous dragons in Monster Hunter lore are Rathian and Rathalos. Uh, Rathian is a green... I've heard of these. Rathalos? Um, just Google Rathalos. Big red. You, Everyone's seen it at this point. Um, it's in... You know in Super Smash Brothers when you pop open an assist trophy and a dragon shows up? Yeah. That's Rathalos. Oh, so it's not just some random dragon. No, Rathalos is a wyvern in the game, and it's one of the most famous because it's been in almost every single game. Now, the red Rathalos is the weakest of the Rathaloses because in the game they do, um, like, hey, you hunted a red Rathalos, but how about a blue or azul Rathalos, which is stronger and meaner and gives you better stuff. Rathian is the female version, so it's green. And what's very, very cool is that you find their nest at the very top of the canopy. Like, that's where you find the eggs. And some of the missions even ask you, hey, grab an egg and run for your life back to the drop-off point. And you have to do that while holding this massive egg and hoping you don't drop it or die. Typically, you, if you want to win, you just wear gear that makes you quiet and just move on from there. Because, again, a lot of the games revolve around the armor that gives you different perks. So the perks can be everything from silent footsteps, higher attack, higher defense... Uh, giving certain bonuses when certain actions are met, that sort of thing. If you go into your own forest, though, like your own backyard, like every ecosystem is built like this. It doesn't feel like it because it's not like a rainforest, but if you take a microscope down to the tree, you're going to see the individual plants cropping through. You're going to see the mushrooms going through. The people designing this did this for every single ecosystem. The deserts, the beaches, the swamps, the volcanoes, Everything has this feel of it's actually lived in. And I think that's a really good teaching opportunity of how you should design a living world. If anyone's looking into game design or anything kind of like, I want to build a world for myself, go play Monster Hunter. Go do that. And that'll show you Monster Hunter World will teach you all of that stuff. Do the now do the creatures vary like between like are, are you gonna find ones that are similar to the ones you find near volcanoes in the game? 
that's actually pretty interesting. You won't find them very similar to like real world ones a lot of the time, but you will find them feeding and working off the volcano. Uh, we'll talk about one of the bit that actually does just that. Um, the monsters in the game are incredibly diverse, though. They range in size from small dogs to the size of literal mountains, and you have to kill every single one of them. <laughs> At certain points, you meet like just giant crickets. And when I say giant crickets, I mean the size of a Labrador. And they're like nothing to you. They're like, oh, kick that out of the way, collect the resources. When in reality, you'd be screaming. I mean, if you just give it time, those uh, and those environments will go away, and the crickets will go away. That's what. Uh, you oh yeah, the news. Uh, yeah. Uh, hang on, just leave the environment. I'm no longer providing protection to this forest. <laughs> just gets cut down, turned to cattle land. But it it really is um, special because all the monsters is like like there's a lot of mon- and they're not all in every single game. Some of them are like retired and then brought back later, but mm-hmm. they range. Some of them are based on real-world animals. There's some that are based on snakes and apes and various different kinds of lizards. Many of them are based on fusions of those animals. One of them is, uh, like I was saying, the thunder squirrel. That wasn't a joke. Like, it's a rattlesnake mixed with a flying squirrel and charged with electricity. It's very mean. That sounds very intimidating. Honestly, it's one of the weaker monsters in the game. It's one of the weaker ones that you just beat up in the beginning when you're climbing the trees. As you get higher up, you eventually come into, like, poison versions of them or... Oh, you come into some way nastier creatures. I just uh, one, I just Googled Thunder Squirrel, and the first thing that came up is one squirrel standing over another one with Emperor Palpatine lightning shooting into the other. I thought it was going to be like Pachirisu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up Thunder Squirrel now. Uh, okay, yeah, Toby Kadachi. Toby Kadachi oh, is okay. the name. That's, that's sick. <laughs> Everyone should Google Thunder Squirrel. I'm Googling Thunder Squirrel now. <laughs> <laughs> no no you will die <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> oh god no look up toby kadachi if you can we call it there's some you give nicknames just toby toby kadachi he's great yeah he's, he's just a lightning squirrel snake thing he's pretty oh, fun okay. yeah there's there's also different variants that spit poison instead of like um lightning but yeah they're fun uh one of my favorites is based off the b-52 bomber it's a it is a dragon it's called basil geese but what it has is like it has specialized scales under its head that drop down and explode like bombs so literally yeah you're having a fight and then out of nowhere this giant flying monster of death lands in the middle of a fight with you and another monster to disrupt it because it's super territorial now many of them are whenever they say there's a dragon they basically mean wyverns they're wyverns because, you know, they, they have, like, the four-limb structure, the, yeah. the arms or the wings and the legs and such. No, I, too, no, had a pedantic uh, Game of Thrones fan as a co-worker. No, it's no, ba- no back legs. But uh, they're actually well, they called wyverns. They have back wyverns. legs, but their front legs are wings. In the games, they are called wyverns, and they are actually categorized into different kinds. Like, the Baryoth is one that basically um, looks like a saber-toothed cat and a dragon had a baby. Like, it looks like it's terrifying and fast and mean, and it's a big cat. Yeah, if you look it up, B-A-R-I-O-T-H. On it. Sorry, my laptop's being difficult. Big cat dragon. Oh, this is why you don't like cats? One of the many reasons, yes. It's very fast, and I'm one of those guys who prefers hunting big, dumb monsters as opposed to fast, quick ones, because I just like to shoot them. It just looks like a very muscly, muscly cat with spikes. Yeah, and we, it doesn't fly. It just runs around. And one of the ways, you, since it lives in the ice areas, the best way to stop it is to actually break its claws. So that's why grip is not able to hold on to the ice, and it slides when it tries to chase after you, giving oh. you a vantage. Mm-hmm. Like they think about that. You can break off the parts of the monster and make it easier. Uh, Rattles yeah, that's. Has- Sorry, go ahead. I would say I do remember hearing about that or like trying to do that when I played for a little bit. Rathalos is built like it has a venomous tail. So if you cut off the tail, you cut off a chance of being poisoned. I mean, its claws can also poison you, but, you know, that's one thing fixed up. Uh, A lot of them are based on dinosaurs just because dinosaurs are cool. Like there's quite a few based on raptors. A Baroth is like a T-Rex with a cinder block for a head. And one of my favorites, because it's just such a dumb looking terrifying monster is called devil joe it's like devil devil joe is also called the pickle um devil and then j-h-o look up devil joe i know what he looks like but yeah i want chris to see the 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 pickle i know i know know devil joe he is the pickle 
And he's really, really mean because what he loves to do more than anything is eat because he has such a fast metabolism. So what he'll do during a fight is he'll grab a smaller monster like that iguana I showed you earlier and just hit you with it. <laughs> like he'll grab it and just throw it at you as a weapon because he doesn't care. Do, do animals use other animals as weapons? In a way, the boxing crab does. That's true. Oh, you, I thought you were talking about monster hunter animals. Yeah, the boxing crab does. Um, the I think it's P. gallicus, the nudibranch that harvests nematocysts from uh, jellyfish sort of does. Let's see, what was it? Um, oh, I mean, technically that tarantula that has a pet spider. No, wait, wait, tarantula, it's a tarantula that has a pet, that frog. Has a pet frog. Or a yeah, toad, the tarantula, it, that's yeah. using it as a weapon, or is that using it as a pet? I think it's more like a pet, like that's a guard a dog. That's more a pet. Yeah, it's more a pet. Uh, what I really love, though, about the monsters is like their diversity and how they're living. Because when you read up on them, they behave like animals in a sense. Like they have a range where they like to be, where they can be found. They have a preferred climate. They have a preferred diet. Like uh, one of my favorite Diablos is a classic as well. It's digging. It's terrifying. It's mean. But many of the places you'll find it rampaging around are going to be areas with a high insect population, like mainly termite mounds. And that's really important. In nature, the greatest sources of protein are going to be things that are closer to the source, as in the sun. So krill, because it's eating just phytoplankton, is closer to the main source of energy thermodynamically than a fish would be. So that's why eating krill has so much protein and why whales get so big and bugs are the same. Pound for pound, a beetle has more protein than a steak. Uh, the other thing I really love is the fact that the monsters do interact with each other. And usually they hate each other because they're territorial. Like the bomber one, Basil Geats, attacks everybody because it hates everybody. And it thinks that everything is its territory. But then you'll get things like um, Rathalos will pick up its own territory, but it'll only pick fights with things that it knows it can try and win. And if it picks a fight it doesn't, it gets the crap kicked out of it. Like you can, they're called turf wars in the game where these monsters will just go head to head with each other and you can kind of reap the rewards. And sometimes you get monsters that aren't even hostile, like directly. Dodo Gamma, that's the last monster I'm going to make you look up for now. Dodo Gamma, D-O-D-O-G-A-M-A. It is one of the most loved monsters in the oh, game. Oh, he's like a big job of the hut looking feller. Yeah, he look at like him. He looks like an iguana wall, right? He looks like, he looks like that Hugh, Hugh, Hugh horned lizard meme. <laughs> he, they did make a Hugh, Hugh, Hugh meme after him. Like someone did the, Yeah, he's great. He's a really fat lizard, and he isn't hostile. He just eats rocks in the volcanoes. That's where you find him. You find him in volcanic areas, eating on the rocks and taking the nutrients from those. What nutrients from the rocks? No idea. But he will not attack you unless attacked. Like he's just not, and then on the, every mission I've gone where they say kill the Dodogama, I it, I capture it instead because like no I'm not killing this thing. Look at him, how could you kill such a precious boy? He's a champion. Look at him. Look at his cute little face. Like it basically became like a subculture. Like don't touch the Dodogama. Like if you're in a fight, you leave the Dodogama alone because it didn't deserve any of this. It, it's not trying to kill you. It's just trying to defend itself. So most people do hunt it again like any video game it does have its own uh subculture after a while mm. now i i put this next section in our notes as fda as in food and drug because when you're before you even get to a fight like you have to prepare yourself for that fight and the way you prepare yourself is really funny because you have to do like certain things in order to get your stats up so food is like a big thing. You always leave You always leave after eating because if you don't eat, you're missing out on like stats you could be gaining. And these can be increased lucky chances to find items. It can be a chance to like get a fourth life instead of a third. But the game has different food mechanics in each game. In Monster Hunter Rise, they use um, dangos, which are a Japanese sweet made from rice flour in the same way as mochi. Basically, they look like colorful balls on a stick. If you look up dangos, that's what they, they're just colorful balls on sticks. And then if you chew on them, they're, they're pretty tasty. They're not that bad. Then you eat them like a snack in real life. But in the Monster Hunter world, you basically have a stack of them and you just inhale them and that gives you stats. Now in Monster Hunter world, you can have a really buff cat make you a whole feast. If you look up Monster Hunter world meal, you'll see what I mean. Is it better than the sandwiches? It is. Is this a charcuterie board? Yeah, man. It's yeah, this looks like a feast. Yeah, and that's what you eat every time before you go out into a fight. Every single time. I get down with that. 
The calorie count is somewhere around 15,000. I once did a talk like this at Dragon Con about it, and it took the equivalent would be eight large Papa John's pizzas. Um, like, I, I think, okay, yeah. So um, this is a, a throwback to uh, early 2000s, but like when Michael Phelps was doing his big run, uh, I think it was, was it the Be- Beijing or Sydney Olympics when he won all the. I medals? think it was Beijing. Uh, his daily intake of calories was about 10,000. Yeah. So Michael Phelps could like Michael Phelps would have to add an entire like roasted ham to even match what these people are eating. He would have to add two average humans daily intake of calories to Michael Phelps's daily intake of calories. Yeah. These people are also swinging car doors around. Like it's nothing. So it makes sense. Like if you are listening, like I'm going to just describe this meal and hope I can do the best. Like it's an entire six person plate of paella like rice and shrimp and mussels and seasoning there's multiple steaks and shrimps and meats on sticks stabbed into a pineapple there's a bowl of stew an entire meatloaf and like a, a flagon not a pint like a whole flagon of ale and people if you look it up in real life people have tried to make this meal multiple times this is like some great uh food like nintendo world uh or if there's a Capcom world, they should have a uh, a food contest. Universal Studios Japan did have Monster Hunter there for a while. They replaced it with Demon Slayer stuff, which I don't really like. But, like, I mean, I, Demon Slayer is fine. But, like, having Monster Hunter world stuff was just so cool. I missed out on a lot of cool swag because I went there too late. And I'm a little upset at myself. Anyway, uh, one of the things you can bring with you in the fight, because you can't bring food with you except for, like, steaks, which give you more stamina. You can bring different like medicine, like different antidotes and potions, but you can also bring armored drugs and demon drug and also dash juice, like different like chemical concoctions. So I, I tried to find the closest thing I could to any of them, like in real life. Like is there an actual like demon drug in real life? And it turns out there was. Would you like to guess which terrifying power in this world decided to make something that could make people fight for hours on end? Mushrooms. No, it wasn't mushrooms. This was people. Like, what human society... Oh, to- oh, oh, I thought you meant, like, uh, Viking berserker type stuff. No, the Vikings were good, but these people were, um, I'd say, a little more monstery in 1940s. I would say, say is it meth? <laughs> Partially. And Germans? In World War II... The Germans decided to create a drug that they tested on prisoners and just see if it could actually give their soldiers a bit of a boost in combat. The concoction was um, five milligrams of oxycodone, five milligrams of cocaine, and three milligrams of methamphetamines in each tablet. Each soldier given these could fight for days with little to no rest. And even like when they were testing it on these prisoners, they could have them carrying 50-pound bags of gear and traveling the equivalent of over 50 miles in one day. Yeah, so these soldiers, I mean, they were fighting for, like, days and days on end to get into France, and these people just had tons of drugs in their system in order to keep them fighting. And it worked because they, they were able to get into France, I guess. But again, like, the side effects of taking that much cocaine and methamphetamines and oxycodone, like, every time you needed to pick me up sounds real dangerous yeah that doesn't really it's not going to translate back into civilian life well probably no, not no it's not but it is interesting that people have been trying to make like miracle drugs and stuff like that to keep people going i mean in today's day and age we try and make our like well not fighting but like keep people going and i, mean, I think well, it's like you know you can just just sleep right lucas these measurements too like five milligrams of cocaine like this was world war ii that could have just been like a like a, a soda for them <laughs> that's true yeah it's just like oh yeah no this is what I, oh it's just like an antacid tablet for like the average american child like, yeah this is a child dose what are yeah. you getting your numbers from lucas back when they had like cocaine wine and stuff yeah no this is literally like the flintstone gummies of the world war ii <laughs> no no it, it really is terrible stuff Uncon- it's an uncontrolled substance of death dude don't no one i i shouldn't have to say no one try this at home but don't try this at home. It probably doesn't hurt to say it. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about, like for real, is the last thing. It's a long rant. But um, it's in Monster Hunter World and Rise, the monsters appear and it sets off the ecosystem in some way. 
In Monster Hunter World, it's Nergigante, which is basically a spiky dragon cat. It's mean, and it hunts down native species constantly, and that's a big problem. You're exploring this new world, and this one random dragon is coming around trying to attack and rile up all the native species, and that's a huge deal. Is because he trying just, to like? Is it, when you say rile up, is he like trying to like form a union or like it? So in the game, there's something called elder dragons. Elder dragons are monsters that like you can't capture, and they're just really, really strong. Nergigante eats them, uh, and when you eat them, they're so powerful. Like it's like taking out an apex predator in a food chain. Mm-hmm. Like it just causes the whole thing to go nuts. And since this thing was riling them up, it was already causing a lot of the animals that would not normally come out to come out and cause a ruckus, and then it's your job to hunt them down and turn them into a cool belt. That was my defense of it, anyway. <laughs> uh, in Rise, uh, Magnamalo is, appears every thousand years or so, and it lets off an aura that viol- that makes all the other monsters pretty violent. The In c- a way... The cicada of Monster Hunter. Yeah, it just, like, makes you angry. <laughs> uh, it These things can happen in our world, too. I mean... There's a reason I think Nergigante is based on a cat, and that's because cats are super invasive when left outdoors. And, and very successful hunters. They're so good yes. at it. If Listen, if, if you think that your outdoor cat needs to be outdoors, you can unlisten to us if you want, but I'm going to tell you, that's a terrible idea. Stop doing it. They, it's like, bad. Annihilate the local bird species. Yeah, and across the world, like they've been deemed as like an, an alien species in Poland alone. They're like the top predator, one of the top predator of penguins out in like South Africa. Like they're not great when they're outdoors. Um, I think another thing too is like with Magnamalo, it's supposed to be there. Like it's a it's part of the ecosystem, but it's being reintroduced after such a long time that it causes a ruckus. Honestly, kind of like horses in the American West. Yeah, I mean horses weren't around for thousands and thousands of years and then they go back and they completely disrupt it was there like any research done on that don that you're familiar with um in like terms of how they've changed the landscape since they've been back or yeah and something like that um i read a book not too long ago a wild new world that was pretty good and it kind of went into um i think there's some worry about competition between uh native grazing or more recently native grazing animals and stuff and also, yeah. like, the potential, like, soil degradation from, um, like, their hooves and whatnot. Just reminds you of the guy who decided, like, there was a guy in Oklahoma who was like, guys, guys, I know what's wrong with the ecosystem. We don't have lions and rhinos anymore at the Great West. Let's release yeah. lions and rhinos into the, into the Great Plains. He's going to go guy far was, in life. I would I like, have loved to get dinner with that man. I would not have listened to, like, anything he said outside of that. Like, but he seems like a nice guy to sit down with and have a chat of, like, how, how do you exist? <laughs> <laughs> but like deer in your introduction to a population can be a problem if you don't have the predators to go with it like for example with yellowstone they had that huge problem of oh the deer they're all here but like there are no wolves to like deal with them it's nature's a balancing act it's never like everyone has this idea of nature oh no it's this perfect system that shouldn't be thrown out of way no it's constantly teetering and tottering in different directions like it's always this weird billions of spinning plates and just setting it off anything can throw it off in such an extent that one species could feel it or the whole system could collapse. It's really interesting just how we've survived this long without did, it. But Did you ever watch uh, Scrubs? Yeah. My favorite joke is when the janitors gets caught sneaking in mongooses. And they're like, why are you sneaking in mongooses? He's like, catch all the snakes. And like, why, why are there so many snakes <laughs> in the hospital? He's like, to catch all the mice. Because he brought in snakes to catch the mice. And they oh, I love the janitor. Good old knife wrench. <laughs> knife wrench for kids. For kids. <laughs> oh, it was such a good show. But, but I think I just want to invasive species. Yeah, I I just want to wrap up like what I love about Monster Hunter that it is a game about killing monsters and making hats out of them. Like that is its forefront. That's what it's good at, and that's what it's been fun at for years. You have literal dragons flying in the sky that have jet wings. Like, they literally shoot energy out of their wings like a jet. You have gorilla monster monkeys that are based on, like, Super Saiyan Goku that literally turn yellow and get angry and crush you. But they did such fun ecological things with it. They realized that when they were building a world for monsters, like, and hunting them, you actually had to build that world. You had to consider it from an ecological standpoint. Does everything make sense in it? Of course not. It's a video game about crushing stuff with big hammer. But it's really 
really cool to think about how like they made this game. And I, I love talking about it because it really is, they put so much work into it. And so much of the conversation on monster hunter is like how to be like optimal, how to get the highest DPS and damage. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. But like, just take a moment before you kill it. Look at the environment, smell the roses, then kill it. Hey, you've got three lives. Might as well spend one. Yeah. Like one of the <laughs> new trend, spend one life gawking at nature, the rest to kill. <laughs> Oh, okay. God. I mean, there are like bonus points you get for being a naturalist. Like at certain points, like they give you a catch net and you can go around catching smaller monsters, like little bugs and stuff and let them lose in your apartment. Like at one point, like they had, imagine a mud skipper mixed with an angler fish. And I just went to a swamp and caught it and let it loose in my apartment. It just ran around in circles. I called him squishy. It was sweet. Again, and there are some people who play the game and only catch those monsters of like, why aren't you hunting? Like, no, I'm only going to the new area so I can find the rarer pet. I, uh, did I mention it? About. Has, yeah, that's oh, what, that's I'm sorry. I forgot to mention the most important part. There is a fishing mechanic. So it's 10 out of 10. Sold. Yeah, done. It has a fishing mechanic. You're there. You're already there. And that's all I have to say. Questions, comments, concerns? I'm going to have to go. It's on Xbox. It's on Xbox Game Pass now, so I'm going to have to go download it. Yeah, give it a shot. If it's not your thing, hey, at least you tried. It's a really fun game. I will say playing it on the Switch is lesser to playing it on any other console. The Switch is fun, but it is not meant for this kind of power. <laughs> like, it, it's not. I'm sorry. Like, Nintendo Switch, baby, I love you. I'm looking at you around the corner, but like, no. No, you, you turned my Pokemon into a PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to have to, we're going we're gonna to have to have a talk later. <laughs> You're doing great. It's uh, that's what I say to my Switch when it's trying. You're doing great, honey. You mean anytime it opens up the Nintendo shop? Yeah. You're doing great, honey. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing all right. But no, it, it it is a it is a fun. It's a fun game, and I really am glad that people have realized it. It took like six or seven games on multiple consoles while we were to realize, hey, this is fun, and I'm glad it took at least that long. So I I am glad y'all let me talk about this. I mean, it's a break. We take breaks from Pokemon here, but. Again, it's like Pokemon, but Dark Souls. If I have to, I'm going to say it that way. I know I did. I know I don't want to say it that way, but it is that way. Anyway, uh, anything else? No, I think we're all good. Uh, all no, right. I honestly, I kind of want to dust the game back off, or maybe try out the new one. Yeah, give it a shot. You'll never know. I mean, hopefully, at some point, you guys will convince me to play another game. Not you, Chris. I'm not getting an Xbox. One day. No. One day. Well, hopefully, y'all know the drill by now. Go ahead and send us any comments you have. We're on the we are on the Facebook. We are on the Twitter. We are here listening. We have the email and all our socials down there. Let us know what you think. We want to hear what you're coming from. And again, Chris, new podcast, right? Yeah. We need the help. Share. 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 Smash that subscribe share. button. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah, okay. Smash <laughs> it, like it, share it. We're everywhere. We're going to try and be as close as we can to everywhere. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. Who knows what we'll talk about next time. But for now, have a wonderful rest of your day or night. We'll see you at the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>